Not the footy show. Show? Last week on Not the Footy Show. We're rolling, mate. G'day everybody, welcome to episode 166 of Not The Footy Show. I'm Warwick Nicholson, your host, and joined once again by the magic SD card that actually works, <laughs> at least he tells me that, is Mr. Rob Cox. G'day Warwick, how are you mate? I think we do have a, an SD card that's going to work tonight. Um, this should actually be called 166 and a half because um, we got halfway there, we recorded the last episode and... Um, and Coxie's dodgy uh, SD card malfunction. So, um, yeah, I, I apologise for that, mate. We... Well, people have already heard your reaction to uh, when you found out and uh, we sort of did a bit of a, um, a recreation, I guess, of, mm. of the feeling the moment you saw it said that uh, it is corrupted. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. We kept it PG. <laughs> and uh, hopefully the rest of this episode about the Colombian expansion plans of the NRL uh, is just as PG. We'll get started after the break, not the footy show. Yeah, 31, didn't think it would come. Joey, but I'm pretty stoked to be here, mate. Oh, what's it mean to you? Yeah, a lot, mate. It's the highlight of my career to date so far, so really f***ing hoping we get the cash. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Oh. No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it means a lot to them. Yep, the vagaries of live television. <laughs> okay, we're getting straight into it, uh, Cogsmith. Uh, we've just had a great rep round and all the rest of it, but uh, I think we have to speak about some... Uh, I think the words you used were Colombian marching powder. For the, those that aren't educated at home, what's happened in the last three or four days? Well, mate, everything's happened. The, the NRL has had a wonderful rep round. Um, but to kick proceedings off, um, the uh, the Roosters centre come winger, uh, Sean Kenny Dow, was arrested and charged with possession of cocaine in mm-hmm. a Sydney nightclub. That's number one. Uh, that was number one, and then and then uh, I I I went and shot that um, the test match on Friday night um, in Canberra, and then in the morning when I woke up, um, probably about an hour after I woke up, checked the Twitter feeds, checked all the interwebs, and um, it was a buzz with uh, with allegations of uh, one Kevin Proctor and his New Zealand captain. Mm. Jesse Bromwich had apparently been caught uh, via CCTV buying um, and, um, in Proctor's case at least, uh, snorting uh, a white substance, which... This is all alleged, of course, people. This is just the story that we are relaying, not the one we are relating. Yeah, I'm not Um, not making it up. And then uh, there was another little bit of a kicker at the end. Oh, well, the kicker at the end is the the big one, isn't it? I mean, well, they're all big. They're all massive. Um, But it was um, uh, the the CEO of uh, the Cronulla Sharks, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, um, he's also been done for possession of what we believe or what the what uh, what is alleged to be a white powdery substance. No one has confirmed or denied that it's cocaine, but it's either talcum powder, it's either heroin, cocaine, or another white substance. Something. He but he's been uh, the, he's got a police problem with that. Yeah, that's uh, Damien Keogh, uh, who is a former Sydney King professional basketball player. And an Australian well. rep, too. An Australian yeah, rep I, I think well, the reason we're kicking this off, uh, everybody, is, um, well, it's funny. We, we promised on the Lost podcast that in the future we'd do a show of just positive news. Hmm. Um, it didn't really take off this week, given what we uh, have been told. But essentially what we're, what we're trying to get our heads around here, everybody, is a couple of things. And the main one is... This is a society thing that, quite frankly, I'm kind con- it's going to sound interesting here, and I like using that word, you know that, Cocksmith? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, what's the word? I don't think it's a bad thing that rugby league is highlighting this. I think it's not good for rugby league, but it's definitely not something that uh, people should be sitting at home going, oh my, I can't believe that players have been found doing this. If you're mm. sitting at home doing that, and look, Cocksmith knows I'm one of the most cynical people in the entire world, and I think that's why we get on so well, because you're just as cynical. <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. And I mean, 
if anybody knows Mike Bilbon in the States from PTI, he's never surprised by anything. But this, it's 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 a ticking time bomb. We we should not be sitting at home going, I can't believe this is happening. We might be, uh, I guess, perplexed that three or four individuals have been linked to it in the space of 24 hours. But I actually am somewhat surprised we haven't seen more of this, is what I'm saying, Foxman. Yeah, look, I, I'm on one hand, I'm surprised, and I'll tell you why. I'm surprised because um, the three mentioned players and also the CEO, maybe not so much the CEO, but the three mentioned players, I mean, these guys get drug tested. They get, you know, drug tested at home. Um, and I know that allegedly, or apparently, sorry, not allegedly, um, cocaine goes through your system very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a kind of drug that... Um, uh, that apparently you can take, and then three three days later, there's no sign of it. So, it's um it's kind of the ideal party drug as far as drug testing goes. But to be caught with it, I mean, I don't know what sanctions um, Bromwich Proctor and Kenny Dow shall face. Um, but to be caught with it could spell the end of your career. Now these these boys are all those three players are on five hundred thousand dollars a year plus. Um, yep. They do what they love to do for a living, which is play rugby league, and and all on the back of maybe you know being caught with a with an illicit substance, they could lose everything. And and I, I just think it's a massive risk to take. I know that rugby league players are risk takers. That's the thing. They they do take mm-hmm. risk. They by sheer nature, um, they're taught and and to play to to you know take risks in on a rugby league field. I mean, taking to a rugby league field is a risky occupation. So by nature, they're risk takers. But guys, I mean, seriously, show some common sense, show some brains. I mean, thankfully for them, they're, they're, they're all, well, maybe except for Sean Kenny Dow, but the other two are at the top of their game. They'll, they'll survive. Um, I don't know. Well, what... I think that, that, that instigates a clause in rugby league. Have you heard of this clause, Cocksmith? I don't know if I've uh, no. mentioned it to you Go before. On. It's the how good are you at footy still clause. Mm, there you go. And generally that kicks in um, in instances such as the ones we may be or may not be uh, referring to. Yeah. I think uh, SKD was on the, 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 what do you call it, the, the verge of getting a new contract. He's actually playing good football or he can kiss those goodbye. Uh, but the other two, as you mentioned, their standing in the game is such that I would be absolutely blown away if either – are out for any period of time or indeed have any contracts uh, torn up. I'd suggest, well, apparently Proctor and both Bromwich stood down from the uh, the captaincy. Proctor had a co-captaincy, I mean, which is which is nothing. That's like being bashed with a feather, doing it to yourself. Um, look, I, I sub- suspect they will do some, some game time. Um, I don't know how long. I'd suspect between four and six weeks um, they will go for. Um, whether that's imposed by the club or by the NRL Integrity Unit, I have no idea. Um, Sean Kenny Dowell has used up a few points already in the past. Yep. I know he was found uh, innocent of any wrongdoing, and I'm not alleging that there was any wrongdoing. No, exactly. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, you, you get you get you do get a few points for leniency and and whatever else and and public perception. Uh, I'm not sure that the clubs that he was dealing with now will want anything to do with him. Um, Damien Keogh can kiss his career goodbye. It's gone. Well, yep. It's finished at the Sharks. And, and anyway. I think that really emphasises this clause. <laughs> well, at the, at the Sharks, he's done because yep. the Sharks have had a little, you know, Ben Barber getting done for cocaine, who apparently um, Damien Keogh signed off on the sacking, um, which is kind of ironic. Um, and um, the uh, the other one was obviously the, the peptide scandal, which we know was a little bit different to this uh, recreational drugs, but they've they've been living under the shadow a little bit of a of a, a a bit of a drug tinge there. You can bet for your life that the CEO will go. He won't be invited back. He's gone. He's finished. Goodbye, Damien. Um, and and that's the way it's got to be, mate. Um, otherwise, you'll you'll have every journo in Sydney and uh, from from here to to Leeds saying that um, you know that oh, the, the the fish rots from the head down, and they're probably right. I'm not insinuating or suggesting any way, shape, or form that Damien Keogh. Uh, would supply drugs to anyone else. Yep. Um, clearly, it was for recreational use only. He was caught with a very small amount. Oh, for, sorry, personal use only. Very small amount. But, um, mate, it, it's it's definitely a problem. It's a society problem. And um, and and we know that footballers are, are just humans. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think um, 
it, it's a it's a problem that they're trying to tackle head on by by blowing up labs in Colombia and whatever else. Um, you know, even just this week that just come out, some some young woman from from South Australia was caught with six kilos yeah. of the stuff trying to get it out of Colombia. Uh, an Australian woman, Cassandra, somebody, Sainsbury. Um, so you know, it, it's a it's a it's a problem. But guys, you know, I know that probably zero rugby league players would listen to to our podcast here, mate. But if they're even contemplating it, just don't, don't, don't throw your career away, um, or or at least get bad publicity for the game and for yourself on the back of, you know, a hit that lasts for 40 minutes or however long it lasts for. It's, um, it's silly. It's silly stuff, mate. Yeah. One point on the, this little, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's not really a scandal. It's just a, a sad reality. It's sad. Is, That's what it is. It's sad. Is that this was the weekend off. <laughs> yeah. And if you are naive enough to think that if we've had uh, three players and a, uh administrator done at this point of the year where there is effectively best part of two weeks between games, um, this was, I reckon, circled by a lot of potential people uh, as the, the weekend to, to have a go, shall we say. And that's yeah. the saddest part because it means that this is not an isolated incident. No, and, you know and, I mean? and I was about to ask, I was about, well, when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about tonight in the car before, I was, one thing that struck me was, you know, often they say when criminals, and I'm not suggesting these guys are criminals, mm. but often they say when criminals are caught doing something, it's very rarely the first time, very rarely the first time yep. that they've done it. Um, and um, I just hope that the, the, the three players, um, because it seems that the other bloke isn't talking at all. The three players um, don't try and pull the wool on that. Oh, this I was just, you know, I was just having my first dabble yep. in this stuff because we know that that'd be BS. That that wouldn't be true. Um, you know, fess up to your problems if you've got a, if you do really if you if you do really have a problem, go away and get it sorted. Um, but I think, I, mate, I dead set think that there should be. Um, if if we wanted to eradicate it out of footballers, it's almost it's almost impossible to eradicate it out of anyone's yep. life. But if you want to make it hard on them, if you really want to make it hard on them, start doing seven a.m. Um, you know, uh, random drug tests at their homes um, uh, on a Saturday or a Sunday morning. If, if that's yeah. you know, I mean that's you know, or on a Wednesday morning, some somewhere in the window where you can where you can get them because if they've if they're fair dinkum, they should be trying to get uh, recreational drugs just like they're trying to get uh, anabolic steroids and the like, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, that's the only way I can see them, you know, even scaring players with that. Yeah, I think, well, really, the, the scare factor is going to come, and I go back to this clause, to clubs going, well, you know, sometimes making a stand is, is worth the, the pain of losing two or three seasons of a player because that's really effectively in regards to a lot of things that, are unsavoury in rugby league, uh, get swept because, you know, at the end of the day, these people can play football. Quickly point to note, Keogh was the chairman of the Sharks, not sorry, the CEO. Sorry. Lyle Gorman is the, the uh, CEO. Uh, look, we'll uh, talk about uh, something else that happened and sort of, you could almost argue, slips through the cracks uh, from the last couple of days after the break, not pretty sure. I think I'm going to get a chow fun. Uh, what's a chow fun? It's, uh, it's a broad noodle. What do you mean a broad noodle? It's a big flat noodle. Well, I don't want a big flat noodle. <laughs> What kind of noodle do you want? Who says I want a noodle? All right, look, I'm getting the chow fun. You don't have to have any. I don't get the pea pods, and you can't have any of my pea pods. Fine. You get extra MSG. Did you say crack, as in crack cocaine? Mate, I don't, I don't just write this stuff. I, I live and breathe it. I mean, not that stuff. Oh! Uh, oh hey. Not the footy show. Okay, we're back on Not the Footy Show, episode 166. Warwick Nicholson in the... Well, it's not really the driving seat because Cocksmith uh, evidently has all the power mm. uh, in Camden's studio. Mate, mm. uh, we've just touched on the whole Colombian expansion plans, uh, but there was something else that happened in the last couple of days that I think it needs to be brought up. And I'm not bringing this up to torture, uh, crucify, any kind of word you want, Sam Thido. I'm going to try and make a point out of what unfortunately happened on the footy show on Thursday night. And it's going to be clear as day for you from, from right now. Rugby league media, fan reaction, whatever you want to call it, is so much a prisoner of the moment in terms of what is important and what is not that this incident that happened last Thursday 
has been forgotten pretty much by most people. Rocksmith, you had you heard of it when I brought it up with you, mate? I hadn't heard of it, mate, at all. Um, but but again, you've got to understand that I generally don't watch the footy show because I think it's crap. Um, I um, I watch Fox. I I I choose to um, to watch my rugby league on Fox. Uh, I think yep. it's I think it's better presented and better entertain more entertaining. But I digress. Um, I didn't because yeah. mate, you got to understand. I went to I went to Canberra. Um, I was down in Canberra. I shot three games of football down there. I then drove home at uh, and got home at about three in the morning. Um, I woke up quite early to go to my son's football game in Moss Vale uh, on Saturday morning, which he won first win of the year. Go the Jets! Um, and then um, and then I went to the triple header. Um, like after I came home for an hour, then went to the triple header. I didn't have any time for, for really delving into the news or hearing anything. So I heard nothing. If it was broadcast in some any way, shape or form, I didn't hear it. Yeah, I must admit, I didn't pick up on this story until today. And we're recording on Sunday night. Uh, the story evidently uh, gained some legs uh, on Saturday. And uh, I'm just going to quote a Fox Sports article here. Uh, essentially, uh Sam Friday was uh, on the footy show's player probe with Bo Ryan, and the question was, who is your celebrity crush? I'm just going to word for word what he said, uh, just to be clear here. This is Thido. I reckon Halle Berry was my first one. Uh, that's when I went through my jungle fever phase of liking dark girls there for a while. I figured out, if it ain't white, it ain't right. He then said that at pop star Adele was another of his crushes. Uh, Adele, maybe. She can sing. She's CBC as well, you know, chubby but cute. <laughs> they're the quotes now they're not unfunny uh they probably are or they are insensitive um i actually i'll make a point about the last one in a sec but out of this uh comment that Friday makes um the program called deadly choices which does work in the indigenous community uh community and uh linda bernie mp they're probably the two main uh voices that have, have come out against Sam and essentially they're not impressed. Uh, Cocksmith, can you understand why they're not impressed? Mate, I, look, I, I know that Sam is the, um, you know, he's the funny guy. He, he's the, um, he's the comedy, the comedy fella. You stick a camera in his face and he, he turns the comedy act on. I'm not entirely offended. I don't get easily offended as you know, I'm not offended really by his no. remarks. Uh, I do understand why some people would be offended. Um, you know, some people are very culturally sensitive. Um, other people aren't, whether they be black, white or brindle. Some some folks just aren't that, you know, overly sensitive about it. Um, uh, as long as you, you do things in a respectful kind of a way. And, and I'm not entirely sure that uh, Sam was not being respectful. I think, you know, he's an Indigenous Australian... Um, I think sometimes with with comedy, you you have to expect a little bit of insensitive insensitivity, and um, you know saying things like jungle fever and and whatnot. Um, I guess Sam Sam probably thinks that he's um, you know he's well credentialed to speak like that. Um, yep. I wouldn't be well credentialed to speak like that um, if if the if the shoe was on the other foot, uh, and if I said you know. Oh baby, I got some jungle fever. I think that people would be like, "Oh, geez, that's a bit insensitive." Mm. He wasn't insensitive towards white people at all. Obviously, he married a, no. a white lady, and when he said, "If it ain't white, it ain't right," I think he's meaning for him. Um, yep. I'm I'm not offended, mate, but I do understand why Linda Linda Burney and Co would be um, a little bit um, out of whack on it. Um, but yeah, I, I I was okay with it. Um, yeah, so Linda's response on Twitter was just, "No, Sam." Not funny, just stupid, which I think is, is a pretty uh, good summation of it. Look, I think where I got caught up on this is Sam has and is uh, very good at being funny. Uh, yeah. He has had, I mean, I've done a couple of things with him uh, when I was working with the NRL, which I still haven't used and may still use. They're, they're, him sitting down with Comrade Hurrell is one of the best 10 minutes you'll see. Um, we end up not going to be able to use it between, before the... Uh, all-star game last year but look it, it's he can be hilarious this is not hilarious because of how people have interpreted it and look let's be perfectly blunt it is not that hard to interpret in terms of what he's actually saying 
And I can understand why uh, some people are have their nose out of joint on this. Mm. What it though that all said, and he has apologized. And look, it's worth worth just stating what his apology is. And he went to all his social accounts, and this is what he wrote: "I am proud of my indigenous heritage." I have two indigenous daughters of my own. My joke was a poor attempt at humour with poorly chosen words. There is no place for racism in society. I take responsibility for my actions. It is not who I am, and I apologise unreservedly. Great response. I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he was compelled to do it. Uh, The story is pretty much over, and I think that is where I sort of jump in on this. I think it has been handled relatively well. I think Sam's done a good job in terms of... um, uh, coming out and, and addressing it mm-hmm. and being honest about that, yes, people would find that offensive. Yep. I think that's great. What bugs me in this uh, more overarching storyline is if this Sam Thiday comment had happened without what we opened the show with happening, we would still be talking about this. It would be a massive story. It would be, you know, heading into all the shows on Fox next week. It, it might even get a run still on those shows. Mm. It would it would be a story that would have legs. And as they they use this term in the in the media industry, and I think Tony Kornheiser is the one I got it from, this is nothing but readers, all right, this story. Mm. But because of what has happened, we have had uh, stories around this, the, the drugs, obviously, issue uh, of the last two days. It's superseded this story, and it's pushed it to the background. And it really emphasizes my point that I opened up this segment on. Mm-hmm. Rugby league media is a prisoner to the moment. And whatever the moment is considered more important, then that's the biggest story. And it doesn't really matter what else has happened. We will run with the biggest story. And it means that sometimes I think we get carried away with stories that aren't huge stories. I don't think this is a huge story. But if it had happened on another weekend, it is a gigantic story. And I only have to go back a couple of weeks when Phil Gould... Uh, made the comment about the the lady in the stand at the Anzac Day game. Mm. That was the story, and yeah. it was because there was nothing else around at that particular time that it inflated, it, it inflamed. Yeah, well, you now, know I'm what, you know what was there was a yep. fantastic game of rugby league happening at the at that moment that he said that. Um, yep. Phil Phil Gould's comments that day were were a non-event, a total non-event, and and shouldn't be they should never ever have been blown up. It was crap. Oh, seriously. And I, and I think that's why I wanted to use that example. I don't really want to go into what everybody thought about it because I don't think that's really where we're, we're, we're focused on here. And it's probably a, a, an underlying to my whole point here mm. um, in that I just think this, you, you sometimes, and you know, everyone knows if you listen to our show, we are not going to give you garbage in terms of just talking about it for the sake of talking about it or hang up something for the sake of it. That's not what we're about here and not the footy show, as stupid as that title is. Um, what we are about is trying to just give you, I guess, if you can enjoy rugby league a little bit more or maybe a bit more cynical like the rest of us and you get through life like us, <laughs> we're going to try and offer that. And this is what I'm trying to get across here. We have got to look at a lot of things with some perspective in that sometimes they're not as big a deal as they are made out to be in the rugby league media. And conversely, sometimes some of the more important things get through to the keeper without us knowing about Expand your horizons, people. Don't just rely on what the media, I guess I'm saying, uh, talks to you about. I'm sounding like a revolutionary. But you know what I'm saying, of course, <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying, mate. I think on a scale of 1 to 10, um, Phil Gould's comments in the real world, as far as outrageous goes, were about a 2. And I think that Sam's are probably about a 2.1. I really don't think there was much in it. And, and I think you're right, though. If, if the whole cocaine thing hadn't happened over the weekend, people would be talking about it. I'd be pulling my hair out because they w- w- wouldn't be talking about the games of rugby league that were played on the weekend, which were uh, all pretty darn good, actually. I mean, maybe the Aussie-Kiwi one was a bit of a drubbing. But, um, <laughs> well, let's talk about that after the break, okay, mate? Let's do it. Oh, boy, look at that, 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 that
Okay, everyone, we have tried our best here on The Footy Show to give you a 40-minute podcast. We're going to have to rip through the last parts of this show like a Band-Aid. Because I've, off... I've still got to pick Origin. I've oh, still got to pick my Origin teams, mate. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we're gone. Anyway, yeah. Cocksmith, you did touch on the fact that Ref Weekend has come, and in a lot of ways, it's now completely gone uh, from the rugby league uh, schedule as we know it, mate. Uh, mm. Friday night, let's quickly talk about the game. You were down there at Canberra. Yes. Uh, no doubt got some cracking photos. I'm still waiting for you to put them up on Instagram, unless you already have, and I've somehow missed them. I'll put one uh, up. Put a Dukes one up. Oh, you did? I actually sent that to you, didn't I? I told yeah. you that Duke had smashed his uh, cheekbone. Yeah, I've got plenty um, of others, but I'm, well, I've got, didn't plenty. Well, they're not plenty. I've got a couple of others, but. Uh, leave them for nrl.com um, or the NRL um, Instagram. They can they can share their minds around, mate. Okay, mate. So we want to talk about the game quickly. I take one thing out of this match, and it's the same thing I took out of the uh, Four Nations last year uh, and the game in Newcastle. When Australia want to play, there is no team that can get anywhere near them. And more to the point, Australia don't let them get near them. This was a dominant performance, and... I love watching Australia play with their best team. That's as much as I've got to say about this game. Yeah, mate, I, I agree with you. It was a, it was a, it was a. Well, you know what? The first, the, the first five minutes was pr- pretty close, and I mean, that, and I'm yep. not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm saying that it could have gone any way. Um, and then when Fergo intercepted that that uh, pass and uh, streaked away after about ten, I think it was, um, uh, you know, twelve nil. Uh, it's really hard to beat an Australian side full of full of stars um, from 12 nil down, uh, and and New Zealand didn't give up. They had a little mini resurgence in the second half for a little while. But I'll tell you, it, it, you're you're 100 right. It's so hard to beat Australia when when you got the likes of of Smith and Cronk and Thurston in the team, um, as well as you know, well as uh, others that are, that were in the team. I mean, Fafita had a great comeback game. Yep. Um, and uh, Matt, Australia Matt, didn't miss anything in the middle. I think is is probably the most important thing around. No, not so. at all. Not at all. Matt Gillett. How all. good is Matt Gillett? Mate, he's a great player. I mean, he's a great footy he, player. He's such he's, he's such a good footballer. Um, all of those players, obviously, that played for Australia the other night um, were fantastic. Um, and and you know what? New Zealand on paper was they should be able to maybe aim up a little bit better than that. Um, They've got a couple of deficiencies in their team, but nothing that's nothing you know that's outlandish. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I don't know what's doing. Um, they're they're a really good bunch of people. Um, all the administration. Well, Cocksmith, you, 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 mate, you were in the camp most of the week uh, mm. doing photos, uh, and you obviously get a bit of a vibe for these things. And I think I just think they got beaten by a much better side, and that's not that's not a a disparaging way to talk about New Zealand. They've got a really good footy team, but. Australia just with that mix of, of those core players, they're just better. Yeah, or, or, or the thing could be maybe David Kibb will listen to my game plan and um, <laughs> didn't work. Well, out. Uh, didn't you change the Manila, Manila folder as you uh, walked out of the uh, the hotel room the night of the game? And they went, "Well, oh, this is a great one. I'm going to go with this." Mate, I reckon of all the people that were hanging around in camp, I reckon Kidders would listen to the janitor before he listened to me. I'm clueless. <laughs> I'm really clueless. Uh, um, but, uh, no, no, mate. Look, they they were they were beaten, um, uh, unfortunately for them, by an Australian outfit that was strong um, and wanted to obviously wanted to celebrate Cameron Smith's fiftieth um, Test in style, which they did do. Yep. Um, and congratulations to them. Really well done. Yeah. So Australia, uh, they ran out winners. I'm just going to find the score. Uh, the final score was thirty points to twelve. And look, fair reflection. I think uh, New Zealand, if anything, probably lucky to score. Uh, one more of those tries. We go to the next game, uh, or the next games, um, uh, which were the Pacific Test uh, played on Saturday. Uh, quickly going through the results, the Cook Islands got beaten 32-22 by PNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tonga found a way to win with the 12 men in the last 10 minutes to beat Fiji 26-24, which I think was the game of the weekend so far. Good game, good game. Uh, and then England, um, look, they beat Samoa 30 points to 10, and... I was actually impressed by England. Very professional performance. Samoa, I mentioned this you this with you quickly um, before we went on air this afternoon, and I sort of said I didn't expect a great deal from Samoa, and I'm a bit perplexed from obviously the quality they had in their team, but there was some 
passages of play, and we'll start on this match, mate. That um, Josh McGuire and was running from dummy half on the fifth tackle when they were down by ten points like midway through the second half. There's, I don't know, there just didn't seem to be much of a game plan for the Samoans, and I don't know. I just think that they were going to come up against a team that was going to have a game plan under Bennett. Yeah, and to, yeah. to get basically, they I didn't think they were really in this match, uh, Samoa, which is disappointing because they had a good side. Good side. Oh, great, great side, great side on paper. Um, they they do rely a little bit on their ad lib football. Um, and like you just mentioned, England. When you play a team like England or Australia, you know that they're going to have a, a, a plan to beat you, and they're going to stick to it. Um, yep. And and playing ad lib football, where you you might play a bit more ad lib against another Pacific Island nation or another emerging nation, and it might work out for you. You might get lucky. Um, but but you're right. The they maybe need a bit more of a game plan, and and um, and uh, yeah, that that that's that's probably comes down to a um, a, maybe not a coaching thing, but getting the players to buy into a, a game plan would be would be the first thing. Um, but yeah, that mate, look on on paper they were great, and in moments they were great. Um, they were really good. It just looked like to, looked to me um, like nothing was planned. Like they, it look, the, the surprise look on their faces when something did come off um, was um, was pretty funny. But you know what? Uh, they they managed to. Um, to get ten points on England and um, and good on them. Yeah, I think this is a definitely a, a game I want to see more of, uh, and we'll touch on this at the end of uh, just running through the results. But England, I mean, very impressed by the fact that they had half a team from England and half a team from Australia effectively uh, coming together and playing that well. Mm. So kudos to them. There was no doubt say about Samoa. Um, I will leave till we get through the next two games. And you'll probably be able to guess what I'm going to say, but we'll quickly go to the other matches. But I've got a point to make about Samoa at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tonga beat Fiji in the last couple of minutes. This was a cracking game of footy. Great footy. Uh, just two teams throwing themselves literally at each other every single time. Yep. It was just fun. I mean, it started off with the things before the, the game, which are just always a highlight. And look, I know I've gone about this before in the past, and we actually talked about it on the Lost Podcast last week, but it's the it, it's arguably the greatest night of rugby league calendar. Um, being there at the Pacific Test, and, and you went, so you can pretty much uh, back that up, can't you, mate? I I really do love it. The atmosphere, you know, they had eighteen, they had over eighteen thousand people there at Campbelltown um, last night. It's a great crowd, oh, mate. A great crowd, and and not many of them left. You know what I mean? Like they did, they didn't yeah. just watch their game and leave. Um, well, a whole bunch of Tongans, I think, did leave after to go celebrate after. Well, <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. But look, it was a, it was a pretty full crowd um, at the end of the game, at the end of the third game. Um, and and it was great to see the, vi- the the vibe and the atmosphere with the drum playing and the the singing and and whatever else they're they're doing there is just fantastic. I, I, I you know it'd be it'd be fantastic to just have that more often. I, I you know and I, I especially love it when Samoa play Tonga because they mm. genuinely have a uh, a history for not liking each other so much and bashing each other, which is always good to watch. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was a great atmosphere, mate. And uh, I'm always happy to do that game. It's really good fun. Yeah, and the other game, uh, Cook Islands uh, kept pace with PNG there for a while, but the PNG uh, team ended up winning 32-22. It's great to see players like Alex Glenn turning out for the Cook Islands. I love seeing the players that have played a bunch of games for New Zealand in particular, and in some cases, like Fafita playing, obviously, he was going to play for Tonga and end up playing for Australia. But I like I like seeing players play for their, their country of origin, I guess, or the heritage mm. as well. It's, it's a fantastic... Uh, advertisement for how diverse our game really is. Mm. Uh, we always hear, oh, it's played in three countries. Well, it's not. No. Uh, the uh, the comment I think they made that the Cook Islands, the, the percentage of people who played in regards to their total population is the biggest in the world for like almost any sport, let alone just rugby league. It's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous how many people love playing footy there. Mm. The point I wanted to make, and you touched on it, how when Tonga plays Samoa, I think that's what was missing from Samoa more than anything in their game against England. Now, I'm not saying they didn't necessarily want to win that match, but when you see Samoa and Tonga play, and it's like what you saw with uh, Fiji and Tonga and last year when PNG played Fiji, there is just a level of intensity, which is hard to maintain. I mean, it's the nature of of intensity. It's not something you can keep going forever, but that intensity definitely wasn't there, I didn't think, from Samoa against England. And I think it's a lesson that... If I'm the, the coaching staff, if I'm the senior players in that Samoan team, I actually go, look, it, it probably sucked not to have that same matchup against Tonga, 
and have that real, oh, we're going to rip your heads off kind of thing. Mm. Suck not to have that. But this is a lesson they're going to have to learn for the World Cup at the end of the year. Yeah, Not every game that they play can they just switch that intensity on and that, that passion on. They, when they get to the games that really matter, odds are they're going to be either playing New Zealand, which they can probably get up for, but they'll either, either have to play England or have to play Australia. And they, they're going to have to find a way to flick that switch because if they don't, they can't match against those good sides. But if they find a way to, 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 to I guess, to throw themselves into it, I think that team, as much as I said before that I didn't think they played very well, they're capable of springing an upset. They really are. Yeah, I agree. Look, they're, they're going to finish. I, I'm going to predict to you that they're, they're going to finish in the World Cup probably fourth um, yep. behind New Zealand, Australia, and, uh, oh, sorry, Australia, New Zealand, and England. Um, uh, and, and look, they've got some really class players. You're right, though. They need to be able to lift for those games that may not sentimentally mean as much to them. Um, to be to to really break away from the title of an emerging nation, they need yep. to be consistently good, and they need to to um, to play with that intensity and that passion for every game. You know, they have to want to uh, whether whether their thing is trying to kill the opposition or not. They have to do that every time, not just when they're playing against the uh, the red jerseys of Tonga. So um, yep. that's their challenge. That's their short term challenge or their mid term challenge. Um, their longer term challenge is to keep the players together. Um, you know the guys, the guys like Milford and whatnot. But that's a, that's another that's another subject because that's a political thing. You know, when when Milford and Co get paid five hundred or a thousand bucks for last night's game, and the night before um, the Aussie players got was it twenty or thirty? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Grand. Um, the difference. The difference is staggering. It's it's, it's staggering, and and it's. Um, it's no wonder that people want to play for Australia, New Zealand, or England because they get they get the big dollars. And let's be honest, um, it's not all about the dollars, but it's a major part. Um, the difference between a thousand dollars and twenty thousand dollars to play a game is is um, will make you do funny things. So uh, I'd love to see a way that they could keep those those Tongans and and Samoans together, and the Cook Islands guys even, and and also Fiji uh, to keep them together. Um, that's the way you build teams, you know. For for Australia and Co to con- consistently pick the eyes out of those emerging nations isn't fair. Um, so you know that's something else to think of. And I think this is going to come to a head uh, next year. Just quickly, I wanted to give a wrap to uh, Frankie Pulitua. We gave him a wrap last week's show, but mm. again, we lost that one. Mm. Uh, he helps put this together with a bunch of other people that just do amazing work in um, uh, the community in regards to, to setting those things up. And, and realistically, bringing these communities together for this one day, it's not an easy thing. You've got to get councils on board as well. It's a its a mammoth job. So to Frankie Pulitua and the whole um you know, community team really that looks after and puts that together. A big kudos to you. Uh, the good news from what I've been told when I was still at the NRL, and I've got no worries sharing this, one of the advantages of the, the draw slash schedule changing next year is that not only will we get standalone moments, I think it's one standalone weekend for Origin next year, but we might be or we should be getting multiple weekends of Pacific Test next year. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, uh, this this is great news for what you've just touched on, which is keeping these teams together. We get a World Cup at the end of the year, which means that players will lock themselves into a fair degree with those nations. Yeah. But the key is next year, if we get to around this time of year where we've got Origin One, Origin Two, Origin Three, and two of those weekends, we see Samoa versus New Zealand, we see Fiji versus Tonga, we see. PNG, uh, sorry, PNG versus Cook Islands or whatever it is, whatever mm. whatever mix we see mm. and even England come back out and play again, the most important thing that this will do is it will create opportunities to play for these nations. Yeah. The more This is the conversations I've had directly with Frank and it's the more chances per year you get to play for your nation means literally the more money you're going to earn. Yeah. And that is a big thing that you've just touched on about the disparity. Australia will not play any test matches during a year next year. Mm-hmm. I think New Zealand probably will because they don't have origin. Yep. But the other flip side of this whole thing, I'm going to wrap it up uh, now, is that it means that the likes of Milford and Fafita and the rest of it will have to pick because you can't be in an origin series while I think you then turn around and play for Samoa or Tonga. That's correct. I'm not 100% sure that's going to be the case. I hope it is the case because I think you should have to play for the, the, the nation that you want to play for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I again, the value of playing more tests, if we have two or three Pacific tests during the middle of the season next year and then a whole bunch at the end of the year because 
there's a real good chance that you might see a sort of a Pacific uh, uh, series at the end of the year. That's you're talking two to six test matches. Yeah, you can play for Samar or Fiji or Tonga in 2018. That's only good for the game, especially off the end of the, the World Cup. I just think everybody, if this happens and the NRL doesn't backtrack and the coaches especially don't backtrack, it's going to be a great thing for rugby league. Mm-hmm. I agree. It'll come back down to dollars, though, mate. Um, it'll come back down to dollars. If you've got Andrew Fafita um, or Milford uh, lining up for New South Wales or Queensland, it's 30 grand a game. They get paid $90,000 for the um, series. Uh, or uh, you go and play for your Pacific Island nation. Um, the dollars have to be better. I mean, it's going to be very hard. But but at the same time, I do agree, six games, four, three to six games um, for Samoa, not only will be better for them uh, to make some dollars out of, but also, um, you know, as a team to play together six times in one year is um, is fantastic. And hopefully they can, you know, they can build and, and, and have momentum um, to... Uh, to carry that that uh, that team through to the future, you know, I, I I love seeing the Pacific Islanders play. It's great. It's really good. That's great. Look, after the break, we will wrap the show up with a uh, bit of a comment on the, the city country game, which uh, ended today. up episode 166 of not the footy show and cocksmith the final city country game was played today i believe city uh got the win 20 mm. points to 10 uh, i'll be honest i saw the first 10 minutes of this match had to go out and then we came back to record i didn't get a chance to finish watching through the match i watched the highlights yep you don't get much from highlights uh did you watch the match mate i didn't watch it all uh, i watched it in bits <laughs> and pieces and i'll tell you why because i've got a son that is motor racing crazy um, we have two TVs, but he won't watch TV on his own. So I was every now and then flicking uh, from the game that I was watching, which was the City Country game, to the V8 supercars. Um, now, the value of it was that there was a good crowd. Uh, yep. Mudgy, no doubt, enjoyed, loved the week. Absolutely. I think I watched a feature on Facebook this morning mm. uh, from Win News about, you know, just uh, some of the, the the councilmen talking about how it had an impact and everyone was just loving the fact it's there. Yeah. And it brings forth a question. I got a question from uh, BC, uh, and he goes, "Why shut down uh, City Country and not replace it with anything?" Mm-hmm. You want me to answer that? Well, I'll, I want you to have a crack at it, and then okay. I'll uh, have a crack out of it after you. Okay. Well, the reason why they shut it down was because, um, well, firstly and foremost, I, I don't think the NRL were all that much behind it because the game meant nothing. It wasn't a it wasn't a, a trial game anymore, um, and and therefore the coaches didn't get behind it. And as you know, this uh, last couple of weeks, coaches were pulling players out of it. Um, can they replace it with something? Yeah, they can. I, I don't know if they will, though. I think I think they should replace it with um, uh, an ongoing, uh, moving uh, series of test matches, uh, whether it be between Australia and New Zealand or Australia and England. I think they should take them to regional centres. Um I don't think you'll see City Country come back again, uh, at least in the short term. And when I say short term, I mean the next 10 years because the game was no longer a trial. It was no longer a genuine trial for state of origin, which meant obviously coaches didn't want their their players to get injured or the chance of getting injured in a non-event game. And when I say non-event game, I say that 
with the most respect. I know that to people in the country, that country jersey meant just as much to them as the New South Wales jersey means. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the times have slightly changed, but that doesn't mean we should forget the regional areas. We should be taking games. I, I've said this before, and I can't... Did we say this on the Lost podcast? Possibly. I, I think that every club, every single club in the NRL should be made to take one game every two years to a regional area. Um, and and whether the NRL picks that regional area or the club does, um, I, I know that a couple of clubs do. I know that Penrith generally go to Bathurst or they have been going to Bathurst. Um, but not, and I'm not talking trial games. They should be taking a, a genuine home and away club game to a regional area um, every second year. Uh, that way it won't impact them too heavily on their financial end. But... Um, you know, it'll it'll allow the the country to have games. Um, that would that would then see regional areas uh, get eight games of NRL rugby league in um, in in the country every year. Um, and and I think I think that that should be an ongoing thing, mate. I, I think to to counteract soccer and AFL and all those other sports that are you know constantly bombarding people. Um, the NRL needs to to stand up. Rugby league needs to go to the country, and they need to show showcase the the major the good games. Um, yep. And and I think that that's you know that could be something that might not replace city country, but be a placeholder um, for those for those country folk to see NRL without having to come to the city. Um, that's that's the best thing that I can come up with. But yeah, you know, the answer is. Um, they got got rid of the game because it meant nothing in the end, other than sentimental value. Now, I can't disagree with uh, the points you've made there, mate. I think I'll extrapolate a little bit more on how we replace it, and I think it's what you've said. And we wrap. We, I guess we 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 put the onus on probably Sydney clubs, uh, if we're honest, uh, to look at this period from May to June next year and the years to come as an opportunity to say. Instead of pulling 10,000 people to the Titans versus Bulldogs or the uh, Warriors versus Manly or whoever versus whoever at a stadium where it's going to have a horrible atmosphere, we just say, okay, in rounds 13, 14, 15, uh, uh, two Sydney teams take a game out, uh, individually take a game out uh, west or take it north, they take it south, wherever they take it, and we actually commit which is what I think the NRL has sort of danced around a little bit, saying, oh, we'll take some, some NRL games to the bush. I know Penrith have, have locked in Bathurst for something like 20 years or something ridiculous amount of time like that, but we that's the opportunity that we have. Rugby league, the NRL season takes a massive backseat to origin during this period of time. This is the time to take the game to the country because I can tell you that if I'm a player and I'm having to run out there on a Saturday night in front of seven or eight thousand people at ANZ Stadium, or I can go out to, I don't know, give me a, give me a, give me a country Dubbo. town a game, Dubbo. The Dubbo, which has a great ground. Uh, if I can go out there and, and for some players go back to the the place I played my junior rep games on, um, that's a buzz. Seeing the town embrace your team just for that week. Yep. There's there's a, there's a financial element that probably doesn't stack up. I get that. Oh mate, I you that... know what? I, I actually disagree with that a little bit. I think I think a place like Dubbo, a place like Parks, Orange, um, you know, I think you you would get you would get twelve thousand people. I think you would get ten or twelve thousand people if you didn't make the tickets fifty bucks each. <laughs> I, I I don't think that the you know obviously the cost of it is going there for the week, not so much the 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 less people showing up because. You know, if you well, get eight thousand people there today, mate. Eight thousand people at Mudgee. Yeah, well, look, that's not bad. That's that's not bad. Um, yep. If if you put it this way, you get St George Illawarra playing Auckland on a on a Saturday evening in Wollongong. You won't get any more than that. No. You know, so why not take the game to Wagga? Take the game to Wagga, or take it to take it to to Parks or something like that. You'll get ten thousand. You know, you'll get ten thousand people, and um. Uh, there's 10,000 happy fans. They got to see something they probably wouldn't. And, and the councils will pay for these games. Yeah. They will pay for these games. Yeah. Look, the challenge beyond all this, and look, we can have the most uh, fanciful or noble intentions from our end, mate. But yeah. the, the fact remains, there are stadium contracts in place yeah. which say that 
the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs have to play 10 of their games at ANZ Stadium next year. Mm. And then uh, the other two games get played at Belmore. That's just the facts. We'll so take one, take one of the Belmore games. Well, I think it's up to the CEOs to sit down with the people that got their contract. And, and maybe you take a hit, but you also gain a whole generation of potential fans. Yeah. If you play two or three years in a row out at those games, it, we don't have to win the match. But if you put time and effort into those communities, I'm talking about one game a year. I'm not talking about three games a year. No, no, no. Uh, I'm not even talking about two. I'm talking about one game a year that goes out there. And look, the other part of it, which I think, look, again, we're not experts on this. We're just offering ideas. Hmm. Is that, take for example, uh, what's the closest town to Dubbo? You would say, uh, mate, uh, Orange. It's that's big enough. Well, Orange is probably close to Bathurst. That was the perfect example. But then Penrith have gone, have gone and played. Yeah. Uh, have taken all their games there. But uh, let's take uh, Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie. Yeah. All right. Yep. I'll throw those two up there. Mm. If I'm the um, ah, whoever you want to be, whichever team you want to be, realistically, I reckon Gold Coast Titans should be playing a game at Coffs Harbour every year. But that's just me. Mm. They should go to the councils of both those councils and say, all right, we've got a game a year that can get played in the country. In 2018, Port Macquarie, you can have the game. In 2019, Coffs Harbour, you can have the game. Mm. In 2020, Port Macquarie, you can have the game. In 2021, um, Coffs Harbour, you can have the game. If it is about getting as much money as you can, sat two councils of their money. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to sound harsh on that front, but... Maybe that's the key to getting these games happening is to say, let's go to a region as opposed to just one town. Mm. I mean, Parks and Forbes are another good example. You know what I mean? Like it's not that far yeah. between them. Yeah. But uh, Wagga and Albury, you know, there's, there's, there's options. Okay. Mm. And I think we need to see that this is not only something that the clubs explore, but look, I know some of the people that come up with this stuff at the NRL and they won't listen to this podcast, but if you had, if you did, just think outside the box for a second. Just for one game a year. I'm only asking one game a year per club or even just the Sydney clubs. I but, think it should be one game every two years. I think every club, yeah. obviously, well, look, I mean, the Warriors take take a couple of their games they on the road. They do a great job. Yeah. So, so every club should be forced to take one game every two years, every second year, odds and evens. They should be forced to take a game every second year on the road to a place that's more than 200 kilometres from their home base. Yep. And and I've got no worries with that. And, and Cocksmith, just on that point, mm. a lot of clubs do it already. Yeah, yeah. well, a lot of clubs do. I mean, I, I know that they do, but they it, it should be an ongoing thing. Um, for And the clubs that don't should be made to. Yep. You know? I think the time of year is the most important thing here for me. These games need to be played in May, June, July. Mm. That's the time of year these games need to be put out there because they become event football. And I think that's a great thing for rugby league. Yeah. Let's wrap up the show after the break, mate. Yep. Finally, my stupidity pays off! Not the footy show. show. Okay, this is the final, final, final segment of Not the Footy Show, episode 166. It's time to tick a box, Cocksmith. Yep. Origin, quickly. What do you want to talk about? Oh, no, mate. Look, I just really wanted to talk about um, the injuries of JT. Uh, the injuries, obviously, GI, JT, and uh, Matt Scott gone. Uh, looks like they're gone anyway. Well, two of them at least. Um, Queensland uh, are going to be uh, still tough, obviously, but it's an opportunity for New South Wales. Um, and, and obviously, we can talk about... I know we're running out of time, so we can talk about more uh, next week about some of the, the bolters and some of the... Um, the, the dead set certains, if you like. Yeah, we can promise that next week we will rip into Origin big yep. time. Yep, absolutely. Because the game's at the end of the month, so it makes sense too. Okay. Uh, and especially around the who's going to replace JT option, which by the time you listen to this podcast, people we might know some more news. Quickly, uh, there is some news through Cocksmith mm. as we wrap up the show on Jesse Bromwich. Yes, go. Uh, stood down for two matches. He won't be available for selection until round 13. Two so matches. The, uh, the clause of how, how good are you at still at football is uh, certainly been kicked in. Yeah. He will donate his Anzac Test match fee to a selected charity. Yep. He has stood aside from the Storm Leadership Group and he has informed New Zealand of his intention to step down as the Kiwi captain. I've got a question. I've got a question. Now, was got, the last one's the best one. Yep. Uh, he will then be required to undergo a number of counselling and treatment courses, which the NRL already offers and have probably blah, sat blah, in the that um, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, hey, question though. I if, like Jesse. That's the worst part. I like. Jesse, no, he's but... a good fella. He is. He's a really good fella. Oh. It, it astounds me, actually. I wouldn't have picked. Yep. If you had, if you had said to me, oh. Coxie, yeah. 
pick one yeah. player or pick three players from the Kiwi side that have been caught snorting coke. Let's just say you, I wouldn't have picked him. I wouldn't have yep. picked him. Yep. You Sorry, you were, you were making a point, mate. What I was going to say is if Asada had have drug tested him um, the next morning and he got found to have cocaine in his bloodstream, what would he have got? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm just interested. Do you know what he would have got? I have no idea. I, 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 we are still yet to hear a resolution on Kenny Dow. Proctor has, as you said before, stepped down as uh, uh, captain of the the Gold Coast. Co-captain. Yep. Interesting tweet that apparently he showed up to his meeting with the club management in sandals. Mm. Like, like just some of those things. Just yeah. Like I'm not just going to say that because he was wearing it, but it's just an interesting look when you turn up for that. Were they sandals uh, or jandals? <laughs> Uh, well, on jokes like that, I think it's time to end the show, everybody. <laughs> All right. That's it for me. Be good, everybody. Uh, Foxman's just saying, I'm out of here. Thank you. It's good night. Fantastic. Look, it's been a great episode, I think, sort of maybe. I haven't listened to it. It could be horrible. Mm. Uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed it, everybody. Now, quickly, mm. as we finish, we do have another iTunes review. Oh, yeah, yeah. Read it. Okay. Any guesses from who it's from, mate? I've got, I've got a couple of guesses. It could be my mum. It could be my... my... Uh, your mum has let us down, Deluxe. You've yeah. been on about saying your mum would uh, give us a review for a good, like, three months. Yeah, man. I know. So... I know. She wants to get paid, though. And I've got no money. Um, she, uh, it's either my mum, my stepdad, my wife, my son or daughter. Go. Swing, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. I'm out. It's our good friend, Greg Porteous. Oh! Skipper Ost has jumped on. Uh, he's given us five stars. Of he course. says, great show, gents. Quality listening. Yeah. So he obviously picked up the wrong show. Yeah. Uh, Rob is surprisingly coherent and knowledgeable. Yeah. Now, we must point out again who Greg Porteous is. Greg Porteous is a, is a friend of mine who's a... Um, a photographer, a wonderful sports photographer. Uh, you know, he's he's been with the the um, with News Limited, with, particularly with the, the te- Daily Telegraph, for many years. Um, does an awesome job, and a, re- and a really good fella. Um, and he's left a review, so he's going to be yeah, so he's going to be in line for the prize. He's, he's certainly in line for the prize. Mm. Uh, he said, just to reiterate, he says Rob is surprisingly coherent and knowledgeable. Who would have thought? Oh. Um, <laughs> he says Warwick is the super glue that holds it all together. Oh. Thank you very much. I will pay you handsomely. Yes. Uh, he does mind uh, point out that I should stay away from public swimming pools. Uh, yeah, true that. True. He said you make the trips to Mudgy, Newcastle, or Wollongong seem to fly. Keep up the good work, gents. Go the Tigers. Hashtag Big Seventeen. Greg Porteous is leading the race for the prize. I think there is no doubt about well, that. Well, you know what? Greg Porteous is driving Ivan's bus. He's on and he's driving the bus. Uh, so, driving passenger on. That is and, and you know what? The other thing is, Greg Porteous, I know, is in Mudgy right now because he shot the game. If you're quick enough tomorrow before midday to get this done, um, he'll get, this is my he'll get to listen to it. He'll love it. He'll and love he, it. And the thing is, he'll pull into his driveway just before we start this segment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you... He'll go. He'll go. I've given these guys a great review yeah. and nothing. Squadoosh, zip, yeah, yeah. That's how they uh, treat me. You're, you're not the glue anymore, was I? Uh, not at all. That's the show, everybody. It's bringing it to you. Follow me at NRL Tweet. Follow Rob at Rob Cox, R O B C O X. And that's for Instagram and Twitter. And I'm on and Facebook too, but don't follow me there because um, I don't uh, let anyone. We are on Facebook as a show. Facebook.com slash NRL podcast. I just want to quickly, as we finish, give a bit of a shout out to some of the people that have been liking our posts. Mm. Manda Bear, Adam Coyle, Chris Samet, Troy Shoda, Aaron Brooks. They are real people, everybody. Rob mm. Conway. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Cox liked the show. I don't know who that bloke is. Uh, another Andrew Wales again. Um, people that have followed us recently. Joshua Pratt and Alex. Uh, uh, yep, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Uh, and uh, just thanks again. So it's Facebook.com slash NRL podcast. It's been a pleasure, Coxsmith. Yes, mate. Love your work. I will um, catch you next week. I'm only shooting two NRL games, so my knees and back will feel nice on Sunday evening. Not for uh, you to touch, but it's just nice for me to live with. Let's just all uh, uh, pray, cross our fingers, cross our shoelaces that the uh, SD card looks after us once we hit stop. Bada bing, bada boom. Talk to you later, brother. Not the footy show.
Pepsi.